Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Write or Die show. I'm your host, Randy Lee Boslaw. On the show, we interview other writers and we talk about mental health from their personal journeys. If you have not already hit that like and subscribe button, go ahead, do that now so that you never miss an episode. So today we have Michael Schultes with us. How are you? Good. Thank you. So where are you joining us from? Uh, I'm in uh, eastern Pennsylvania, a little town called Banger. Oh, all right. I've never been. I've been to Pennsylvania, but Mm -hmm. not there specifically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. Uh, I'm uh, currently a a pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Been uh, serving as a pastor for uh, 15 years now. Um, I've been a a Lutheran my entire life. Um, My faith has been pretty important to me for most of my life. Um, but I've also uh, been dealing with uh, with clinical depression for for pretty much all my life, and um, and I've found that it's very how do I want to say it? Um, it's very interesting to kind of live with uh, with a strong faith and at the same time live with a voice in my head that tells me that I'm worthless. Um, and I've found it yes. to be really healing to talk about it, to to be open to that. Um, so. I like that. So that's that's our perfect segue in here. Okay. Um, so we're going to jump in and uh, start your story um, with depression wherever makes the most sense. Okay. Um, it, it started when I was a, when I was a child and I, I didn't really know what it was. Um, but, uh, you know, as a kid, I was considered to be the whiz kid of my school. I was the the smart one. Um, but I always felt like that meant I needed to be perfect in everything. I had to um, do everything right. If I didn't do anything right, if I didn't do everything right, it meant I was a failure. And not just that I failed at something, but that I, it, at my core, was a failure. Um, as I grew older, that got... Um, you know, more and more frequent that I would, I would have these, these feelings that, uh, that there's something seriously wrong with me that I, um, I should have known better if I made a mistake, uh, friendships and romantic relationships were always, um, you know, filled with, with this kind of angst that, uh, that I have to do everything perfectly or, or I've hopelessly destroyed this relationship and hurt this person forever. Um, I even, uh, you know, got to the point of, uh, you know, being at the very edge of suicide a couple of times in my teenage years. And, and every time it was because I thought I had hurt someone and that it would be better for the world if I just weren't around. Um, yep. I've, yeah. I've been there, done that with everything <laughs> you're saying. It's resonating. Yep. Sure. I'm like, is this an, is this a show for everyone else or just for me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I actually just read your book, um, embracing me, and oh. uh, and and felt the same way as I was reading it that there was there was a lot of a lot of connection in our experiences. Um, yeah, that means so much to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the way the way I often talk about um, my depression is is I I think of it as a voice that's that's in my head. Um, I I call it the dark voice. Yeah. And, um, you know, because it is a voice that that is constantly telling me you are worthless. You should have known better. That's its favorite thing to say is you should have known better. Mm-hmm. You're supposed yeah, to be yeah. so smart. Why didn't you know better? Yeah. Um, my likes to call me dumb. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
And, you know, I, I just thought this was, this was normal and that this was something that people dealt with and that, um, that because I had such trouble dealing with it, it would be, you know, it'd be better if, if I would just go away. And it was after my, uh, my second suicide attempt that I, uh, I'll tell you a story about that. I, it was my freshman year in college and um, I was convinced that, um, you know, that, 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 that this is, this was the right thing to do. I was convinced at that point that, that God wanted me to do this, or at the very least that God wow. understood why this was the best thing. Um, and so I, uh, I found a, a tree in a park near my college that I thought would be perfect. Um, went down there with, um, with a bungee cord actually for a noose because I didn't know how to tie a noose and I thought a bungee cord would work. I, um, as it turns out, I don't know, but uh, um, <laughs> that's that's probably a good thing <laughs> <laughs> because I I you know I climbed the tree and I was standing there. I wrapped the the cord around my um uh, my neck and and started to reach up to the branch above it. And there were tears streaming down my face because I there was a you know my survival instinct was kicking in and I really did not want to do this, but yeah. I kept saying you know i know i'm supposed to do this i know i have to do this and oh, i kept no. thinking that that voice talking to me was was the voice of god saying you know you're you're right this is the best thing for the world oh, no. and i prayed for a sign i said god you know give me the strength to do this and then suddenly it was it was nighttime and suddenly i saw this light shine in the distance Mm-hmm. And and I think in you know in in reality or whatever it was probably just someone turning on their their porch light or a, a, <laughs> yeah. you know, a street lamp coming on or something like that. But to me in that moment, it was the star of Bethlehem. It was a light telling me, "No, you've misunderstood me. Don't do this. I want you to come down from the tree now." Um, I like that. Yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. So so I did. Um, you know, that's why I don't know if a bungee cord would work, which like is, is a good, good thing. Good. But um <laughs> I climbed down and I just went back to my dorm and went to bed and I didn't tell anybody about it. Um until a couple of days later, I was I was feeling physically sick, like I had a really bad cold or a flu or something, and I had okay. heard that mono was going around the campus at the time. So I, had I went mono down to once. the Oh, did really? <laughs> in grade nine, it was awful. I have no idea where I got it from. Nobody else I knew had it. So I, <laughs> I don't know. But I was off of school for like a month, an entire oh month. It was the worst, the absolute worst. And my mom's like, nobody can come over, right? Because it's yeah. so catching. She's like, you are quarantined. Like, I don't even want to go near you. <laughs> It's like the original COVID. <laughs> yes, just this didn't spread quite as quickly yeah. as COVID. I've had that twice too. Oh yuck, yuck. Anyways, yeah. So, um, so I, you know, I was feeling pretty crappy physically, and so I went to the student health center thinking I'd get you know some medicine or something. Yeah. And the nurse there, um, said, "I don't see anything physically wrong with you. Have you been under any stress lately?" And, um you know, brilliant kid that I was at the time, I said, well, I, you know, I thought I had to be honest or else they wouldn't be able to help. Yeah. I said, well, I, I did try and kill myself three days ago. I'm and not, I'm not laughing. Because, no, no, you should like, laugh. It's not about, it's, 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 it's just funny to me because you should be honest without being honest. They can't help you. But like, 
that's something I would totally do. Just be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I tried to kill myself three days ago. Like, it's yep. just no big deal. I would just be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and that's the thing is I really, I thought it was like, oh, she'd say, oh, well, that makes sense. Here's the prescription right? for anxiety. That, that would be exactly my thought process. Nope, nope. I created the next two weeks of my life in that moment um, because uh, she said, stay here. I'll be right back um, with this like scared look on her face. I didn't know what that was about. I don't think Came too back. many people come and admit that they tried to do it. <laughs> So came back with the the counselor who was across the hall from the health center who led me to his office and um, he started asking me questions um, about, you know, how I'm feeling and why I'm, you know, depressed. And and yeah. I was really kind of annoyed at him. I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine now. This was a few days ago. There's nothing right? wrong with it's me totally now. In the past. Um, I said, can I go now? And he said, no, you actually can't go until your parents come to pick you up. Here's a phone. You can call them. Oh, snap. And and I had now, to... Now, were you going to school close to home? It was about an hour from home. Okay, not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. It wasn't like they had to get on a plane. But yeah, um, but, yeah but I was sitting in his office for another hour after after calling my mother and saying, hi, um, you need to pick me up because I tried to kill myself, which again, I just didn't realize how it's going to be a huge deal, which it totally is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want mm -hmm. everyone listening um, to understand we are not minimizing this. This is no. true lived experience. So obviously it's not minimized um, as a parent, though, because my my son has attempted. Um, it's such an awful feeling to hear, at least for me, because I also have depression. Um, because I felt like I had failed as a parent. Now, I don't know how yeah. your parents felt, but because I also have depression, my voice in my head was saying, it's your fault because you're a bad parent. And I'm like struggling with my inner demons while trying to be strong for my kid and in the hospital. And it's, yeah. whew, it is exhausting. Yeah. And I, I think my parents absolutely had that. And it was also, you know, back in the days when, uh, you know, th this was this was the early 90s and, and the stigma was still very strongly there. And um, and there was still a sense that, you know, my mother must have raised me wrong if I turned out like this, you know, right? Um, exactly. She had, had so, you know, my parents had to really wrestle with with some stuff there. And it's um, like, Shh, don't tell anybody this is yeah. a secret, right? Like, yeah. I remember um feeling like like my mom didn't know I was depressed as a teenager until, until I started writing my books um, mm -hmm. she didn't realize I had contemplated suicide many a times um because there was this unspoken rule that you didn't speak about it yeah right yeah. like in our house my my brother um was in and out of trouble he was doing drugs my my stepfather as a teenager he was an alcoholic and so when we would go out and this is all you have to learn when you're a kid right is when you go out and you see how your your mom or your dad is acting and my mom is acting like everything is fine she's not telling people what's happening at home she's not asking for help or trying to learn more about addictions or alcoholism she's pretending like everything's okay so what do i learn pretend everything's okay Yep. Right. And that is um, late 90s, early to early 2000s. Um, but that's what it was. You did not talk about it. There wasn't there wasn't podcasts. 
Google was still just a baby. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't talk about it. And now that we are talking about it, it's I think it's amazing. But it it is harder, I think, for the older generations, my my mom, your parents, because there was this you don't talk about it. Don't let yeah, people absolutely. know what's happening in your house. It's your house. You deal with it. Yeah. So I ended up um, spending 11 days in a, in a mental hospital um, as a result of that. And I, I didn't want to go. It, I was. Um, well, everything you know, was fine, right? It was three days. Everything was fine. Yeah, was fine. Um, but honestly, like like it was it was during those 11 days that I finally realized, you know, people take this seriously. This is a big deal. I, um, you know, those were the days before cell phones, um, but there were a couple pay phones on the, uh, on the, the floor there that we could use during free time. And my father just gave me and a credit card. And they even used said, to be a quarter. I don't yeah, know well, what they are down there. They're 50 cents here now, but they used to be a quarter. Yeah, right. But my father gave me his credit card and said, call anybody you need to as much as you need to. Cause he knew That's I had good. lots of, lots of friends. And so I, yeah. I, you know, spent a lot of time on the phone then and. And I was shocked at how many friends of mine, when I would call them and told them what was going on and where I was, that, you know, they they would just start crying. There was one friend who who refused to talk to me for weeks afterwards because she was so upset and so, you know, angry that I didn't, you know, reach out, reach out. Um, okay. and we, we, we ended up working it out um, yeah. and I understood where her feelings were coming from then, but. Again, so it's that, that feeling of failure as a friend. Yes, Why didn't you yes. come reach out to me? It, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was the, the the moment when I really realized I, you know, this is a real problem and this is this yeah. is a real thing. And um, you know, of course, as a you know, as an eighteen year old, I thought that that well, I just got out of the hospital. I'm cured now. I'm fine. Um, yeah, totally. But <laughs> eleven days fixes everything. Fixes everything. Um. <laughs> But, you know, it's uh, it's something that I'm I'm still dealing with in a lot of different ways. Uh, I'm now, you know, I'm on uh, antidepressant medication at this point. I'm uh, I go to regular, uh, you know, therapy twice or every other week. Um, I have a spiritual director I see monthly and, and kind of all those things are kind of my my foundation that that, that helps me to keep moving because um, mm -hmm. I still hear that voice. That voice is still in my head. Um, I, I, I don't think it'll ever leave me. Um, isn't it so nice? I it's know. just like a little friend that you want to hate and kick out your head. And you know, one way I talk about it is that I, I, um, you know, I don't, I don't literally hear voices like someone with schizophrenia might, you know, it's yeah, not, yeah. I don't, I don't have trouble telling it, whether this voice is a real inner person monologue of yourself. Yeah. Right. The way I talk about it is I, I don't have trouble telling if it's someone else or not. I have trouble telling whether it's me or not because um, it has access to all of my memories and all of my intellect. And so it's mm -hmm. it's a really hard voice to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I have that voice, too. So I totally get it. And it's almost like for, for those listening who can't wrap their head around it because they've never experienced it. It's God bless almost you. like, <laughs> yes, right? Um, like when you watch TV, right? And you see the like the devil and the angel yeah. on their shoulders. It's it's similar to that for like trying to explain it where like the angel's like your regular who you are, right? Like your your good voice, that that's who you want to be. And then the devil is that depression just constantly berating yep. you, telling yep. you how absolutely awful you are and stupid and ugly and fat and 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 and. 
So that that's kind of a good way um, I've I've used to explain it to people who when they're like, you have voices in your head. It, not yeah. really. No, it's like, you yeah. know, it's like your angel and devil side when you're when you're kind of figuring life out. And and that's a good segue to talking about how faith um, acts in my life, because when, when I think about that, when I think about the devil and angel on my on my shoulders, I, I absolutely agree with you about the, that. The devil is that is that dark voice. What I interpret as that angel is is the is the voice of God. And again, I don't hear God's voice like a prophet or you know schizophrenic or anything like that. But um, but I I I do kind of hear a voice that tells me you're okay. I love you. And yeah. and it uses the same words that I use in sermons. It says, you know, you know I love you because you're baptized. You tell people that it's true for you too. Um, yeah. And 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 that's the voice that I I think I heard on that night at the tree. You know that 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 voice came to me as a light that night. But it's you know so I I I often think of my experience as uh, as as listening to you know one voice coming in one speaker and one voice coming in the other speaker and yes. and I think of the the story of the wolves. Yes. Um, oh, it's a good story. Yeah. Do you, you want me to you want me to share? Yeah, it yeah. Do it. Do it. Just in case it? anybody hasn't heard it yet. Um, it's a really good one. So yeah, um, it's it's been told in a couple of different ways. The way, one of the ways the ways I like to tell it is, um, uh, there was a there was a young child who um was really struggling with with um with feelings of anger and and uh you know lashing out and and could, couldn't couldn't get himself under control. And he went to talk to his grandfather and said, you know, why can't I I control myself? Why can't I get rid of these feelings I don't like? And his grandfather said. Within each of us, there are two wolves. One wolf is angry and spiteful and and cruel and just wants to lash out and 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 hurt people and hurt you. And the other wolf is kind and loving and compassionate and and wants wants peace. And the the, the kid asks, "Well, Grandpa, which wolf wins?" And the grandfather says, "The one you feed." And it's ironic in a way that it was, it's only in the last year that that story has become really, really powerful for me um, that I kind of finally connect with that story um, and realize that, 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 you know, if, if these voices are going to be with me my whole life and, you know, so far they have been, what I can do is, is choose which one to feed Um and and really you know focus more on um on on what i i believe god is telling me about my worth about um the fact that it's okay if i mess up that i'm forgiven um and that i probably haven't ruined people's lives the way i think i have um, and even if i did there's still forgiveness available there's still hope I'm sorry, I can't hear you now. I don't know if that's on I put myself on mute oh, okay, because okay. <laughs> of the story, and then I forgot to unmute. Okay. Um, but that's one of my biggest struggles is when you unintentionally make a mistake, because yep. I mean nobody intentionally makes a mistake, and then I feel completely worthless. I screwed it up. I screwed up things for other people. I made this big, big mess of everything. Um, 
And then I'm just, you know, I'm just this horrible person. That is my biggest struggle. Um, but you're right. We, it's okay. We, we haven't yeah. screwed up people. We are, there is forgiveness out there and we make mistakes for people. Like, yeah. You can't, and I write this in, in, in my book, you can't, um, I can't remember how I worded it in the book, but you can't know something until you've learned it. So I, I was referencing something that had happened when I was in college um, and I didn't want to answer a question because I wasn't 100% certain I knew the answer. Um, so I felt really stupid because I was still cold on. Anyways, the story's in the book. The point of that story, though, is that why was I berating myself for not knowing an answer in a class I hadn't taken yet? Yeah, right. <laughs> and we do that in our lives all the time. Yeah, um, we, we have expect... to be perfect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No. Yeah. And 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 we hold ourselves to to standards that we that that many of us don't hold other people to. At least I I, I know I don't hold other people to that same standard. Um, exactly. I heard somebody say once that if if we talk to someone else the way we talk to ourselves, they get a restraining order on us. Mm, yes. Oh my goodness. I've never heard it worded that way. I've I've always heard the you should talk to yourself the way you talk to other people because then mm. you'd be nicer. Yeah. But I like your way better because it's. It resonates more with me um, to really push the fact that I am not a very nice person to myself. No. No, nobody would want to be friends with this little voice in my head. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I don't even want to be friends with them. I've given them an eviction notice. They just won't leave. <laughs> They're squatters. <laughs> um, so I, I do have a, have a question, though. So Because yeah. you had said that that was your second attempt at suicide, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what happened with the first time? Because obviously people weren't notified of it that time. Yeah, I um, the first time I was I was 16, I was in high school and uh, and some. It, it was a complicated, bizarre situation involving um, my girlfriend at the time and 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 another person. Um, and it's actually in my book, if, you, if anybody's interested, Um but uh, the upshot of it was I was feeling those same strong feelings of guilt that I had done something terribly wrong. And uh, I had um, an equally brilliant idea on how to do it at 16. Uh, oh. Actually, even more brilliant. Uh, there was a uh, <laughs> there was a creek near my house, and there was this section of the creek called the Falls where there was this deep pool. Mm -hmm. And as kids, we all knew that it, the water was 10 feet deep there. It's just what it was. And there was this this uh, old trolley trestle that went over it. So I went there to the falls, tied rocks to my feet, <gasps> thinking I'm, I've probably seen, you know, in some movie. You oh, a hundred percent. I went know, straight the, the, to like a mafia film. Exactly. You know, thinking, well, I, you know, I don't know how to pour concrete on my feet, but certainly just tying some, some rocks that I can pick up will work fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I jumped off and not only, was I able to move just fine with these rocks, but the water was about three feet deep as it turns out. But the, but the, I am so glad <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm so, so bad I'm, at it. <laughs> I, I am, I am laughing, but only because I'm, I'm totally picturing all of this in my head. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad that it was only three feet deep and you were all yeah. wrong about it being 10 feet and that you could freely move. Um, but the, the really key thing though, that I noticed was, was as soon as I jumped off, 
um, when there was, you know, it was the point of no return if if it had worked. Um, I screamed out no, like I really, you know, didn't want to do it. And so I, you know, I kind of crawled out of the creek. It was it was probably this time of year. Um, it was chilly. I was completely drenched and uh, and just kind of, you know, walked home um, and went in my bedroom, changed my clothes and didn't talk about it. And I don't I don't think I ever told anybody about that until I was in the hospital after the second one. Yeah, it's. Which is good, because by the sounds of it, you probably would have tried a third time. Yeah. And hopefully um, it would have been unsuccessful again because we don't want that to actually happen. But so glad that you had the courage, even though you didn't realize it was courage at the time. It was just a fact. Um, But it takes courage in order to actually reach out for help. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of us, that first step of saying I need help is the hardest step. I know it was Absolutely. for me. It's Absolutely. Been for, yeah. It's been for a lot of people I've talked to just saying I need help. And you don't even have to say it to an actual person. Literally saying I need help to yourself um, is probably the absolute hardest step of the entire process. Because until you say that, you're never going to go get help. First off, mm-hmm. like it literally is the first step, but you're admitting that there's a problem. And because for a lot of us with depression, we need to be perfect. We need to make sure that we're never hurting anybody. We need to, right. We, we've talked about it already. We hold ourselves to a very high standard. So admitting that you need help is breaking that standard that you're holding yourself to saying, i cannot be this standard I don't need to be this standard is one that we have to eventually get to Um, I think that one takes a lot of time to get to Um, but admitting that I'm not at this standard and that is a problem is so very very hard and then doing the hard work to realize that we don't have to hold ourselves to that standard because we would never hold anyone to that standard of perfection is such a hard thing and I know it in my head and I'm saying it to everybody listening right now but I work on it every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I I have also, Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was actually just going to give it back to you. (laughs) Sure. Um, You know, and, and, you know, I've also learned in my, in my career that um, being open about this, um, you know, in a public way, when you're, when you're a public figure, you're like, like I am at least in a small pond um, can be really powerful. It, it's, um, you know, when the, the congregation where I'm at right now, I've been there about 10 years and I decided early on, only about six months into my, my time here, I decided I was going to, you know, basically come out, so to speak, um, yeah. about living with depression. And, um, and it was, it was during a, a, a sermon. I don't remember what the, what the, Bible readings were or what, what the connection yeah. was, but somehow or another, I, I was saying that, 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 that we all deal with different things in our lives. And one of the things I deal with is depression. And I explained what depression looks like, how I experience it. And I said, if, um, if you're comfortable doing so, I invite you to call out what, what you struggle with. And oh, I wow. thought I would hear maybe two or three people say something, yeah, some maybe coughs a few crickets. <laughs> it wasn't like that. I swear, I mean, there were probably 120 people or so in worship that day. And I'd say almost half of them called something out. 
people were calling out cancer, anxiety, problems with my grandkids. Um, and a lot of people said depression too. Um, it was, and it, that was the amazing. moment when I felt like I am welcome here. Not every church is like that, but I am so grateful that I'm, I'm the church I'm at is like that. And I have had so many conversations with people about stuff they're going through and, and people come to me, um, asking for resources. You know, I have a list of, of counselors in the area and I have given that list out to dozens of people over the years. That's amazing. because they're comfortable asking me because they know I, I get it. Um, yeah. And if you wouldn't have done that, it, these people wouldn't come to you. Probably exactly. Exactly. So, you know, th- that's the, the, the amazing thing is that while it, it is absolutely scary to, to tell people you need help when you do it, it not only helps you, but it can help them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's really been, it's really been a healing thing for for me and for the congregation. That is amazing. Um, I know that some churches that I have visited over the years or attended um, say that mental health is not existing, um, oh. <laughs> and that you know just just pray harder. Oh, no, just or... pray it out. Yep, yep, yep. Pray it out. Pray it out. Pray harder. Um, you, you, you. Obviously, your faith isn't strong enough because if you really believed, yes. you wouldn't feel that way. Exactly. Um. um no, not at all. No. <laughs> and so, actually, the the church that I had went to growing up, the the youth group that I, uh, yeah. I say in my book, literally saved my life. Um, it had its last service in the summer. Um, because the congregation just kind of dwindled away a lot of us that went there as youth we moved away so um apparently the church that went in and replaced it is like pumping now I haven't been there but apparently it's pumping um but anyways I went for the last service and I can't remember exactly what was said but um during the afterwards with we were having lunch and they had the mic up for like an open mic share your memories of the church and somebody had went up and said something about mental health Hmm. I don't remember exactly what they said and it wasn't negative in its entirety um but it was also not super positive um and so when i went up and i i said so depression does exist um i know (laughs) and i just i just like let it go and i'm like but this youth group this church here it literally saved my life so you know sad that the church is gone and i'll admit i had not been there in a very long time because i not that i live far but i live far enough that it was sure you know? Um, and so it was just, it's so nice to be able to stand up in front of people that I have known for a very long time, um, and say, yeah, no, I had depression when I was here and it's real and you guys helped me and thank you for that, but it's real. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. because there are, there are congregations out there. There are people who preach that it's, it's not in, you know, pray harder and that kind of thing. But, um, my kid said it best once when he was talking, um, and said, well, how can somebody say that this isn't okay? Um, and he was, so, um, I don't know if you have listened to other episodes. So my son is transgender. Um, and so somebody he was watching on YouTube was going on about how that's very wrong. It's evil. It's all of these things. So he was feeling very, very bad about himself and he has depression, anxiety as well. 
And so he said to me one day, though, he said, now, if the Bible says that God made you in his image perfectly the way he wanted you to be, how can somebody tell me that the way I feel is wrong? And I'm like, they can't. (laughs) Like, you just, Mm -hmm. they they can't based on what you just said. And so that goes with depression as well. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And any mental illness, any way you feel, God gave me these struggles and thank you so much um, because there was a purpose. Um, And this is my purpose, talking to other people about it. Mm -hmm. But to tell somebody that it doesn't exist is not really a good thing at all because then they're going to hide it and end up doing what you uh, tried, what I thought about trying. Um, And so we need to respect the fact that it definitely does exist. Um, if you're totally against what I'm saying, I guess turn off the episode um, and keep <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, I just I just feel like it's so important for people to realize that one experience in one place, whether it is a church, a school, your what you thought was a friend's house, one experience somewhere telling you that it is wrong to say that you have mental health or in my son's case, transgender, whatever, does not mean that that is the only view in the world. It's the wrong view. Um, it, it maybe means that that is not the place for you to be. And it's not the place that's going to um, help you to get through whatever struggle it is that you're going through. It's not going to help you to find coping strategies that you need in order to deal with your mental illness. Um, and don't shut yourself away. Reach out to someone else because there are other people out there um, that have experienced the same things that you have and that want to help and want to understand you better. So don't just think that this one experience in this one place um, speaks for all of us because right. it done. Right. So it's my very long rant. <laughs> it's an important one. Um And I, I, you know, I have, um, I have a 13 and an eight year old. And um, one thing that I'm really, really hopeful about for the, the, the the generation that's grown up right now is I think they talk about this more, much more often than we ever did. The stigma has changed. um, And, and it's not, it's just not there among their peers. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my 13 year old, who's, uh, you know, who's gender fluid, actually, um, uh, has, you know, a couple of years ago, actually, when I think they were like 10 at the time said, you know, dad, I, I think I have anxiety. Can I, can we do something about that? Can you get me to see somebody about that? That's and awesome. I was amazed, you know, like not only did they have yeah. such, um, you know, presence of mind to recognize that, but also that they felt comfortable, you know, saying I need help. And I think you might be able to help me find that help. That's um, amazing. So, yeah. It's, it's um, fantastic. One of the reasons I started this show is because the one night, I don't know, well, he just turned 16. So at least six years ago, maybe longer. Um, Actually, yeah, I think he might have only been eight at the time. Anyways, it was like the middle of the night. He's crying. He had a really bad day at school. He was bullied. um, And he was talking about how he hated himself Mm. and he should just die and, and all of these bad things. And I thought to myself, have I not done a very good job of sharing about mental illness? Mm. And I went, huh, 
I don't think I have. Because there was always this, your parents are perfect. We are mm-hmm. all knowing. We see everything. We know it all. Um, which is so not true. When they're oh like <laughs> when they're like two and three, you want them to think that because, yeah. you know, it, it's a very different world. Um, but what as they start to grow up, we have to be more real. We yeah. don't know everything. We aren't perfect. Um, and we struggle too. And so that was that was kind of a defining moment when I went, yeah. huh, I need to I need to get loud. Yeah. And and one of the 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 the, the tough things is that um you know, we do pass it on to our kids for genetically, you know, there, yeah. there's definitely a genetic component to it. And it's not, you know, I don't believe my, my kid has anxiety, you know, because I was a bad parent, but I do believe it's possible. My kid has anxiety because, because I gave, you know, the bad mental health genes to yeah. them. So yeah. um, there, there is genetic component, which, which means I, you know, I, I need to be, you know, as, as, as helpful a parent as I can. And, and my parents were supportive and my parents were loving, but they just didn't know what exactly. to do. And and I didn't know what was going on. But today's, you know, today's different. I, you know, I think I know a lot more than my parents did about mental illness. And, yeah. and I think my kid knows a lot more than I did at that age, too. So I think my kid knows a lot more than I know now, even. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's definitely a lot more talked about, like, on TV yeah. shows. Yeah. And actually, we, my husband and I, we just went to the mall on the weekend. And our local children's mental health organization um, set up a shop in the, not a shop, but like a little pop-up drop-in yeah, like a kiosk. Thing. Okay. Yeah, um, like a drop-in clinic thing okay. um, during the week. And on the one wall, they put all of these beautiful messages. So it was like um, the one thing was like the, the do's and don'ts, like different words. And the one was like, I am so stupid. Mm-hmm. Don't say that, but say, I made a mistake. Yeah. Right. And just yeah. different lines like that. And then nice words of, you know, you're beautiful. I'm whatever. Um, That was never a thing back no. in the 90s, early 2000s. Like, mm. no, you didn't. You, that wasn't a thing. But now it's it's very much in the face. It's like I said, it's a huge wall um, in the mall that has that messaging out there to, to everybody, specifically the youth, just because that's who put it up. But for everybody, really. And I think one of the one of the troubles, um, one of the the unfortunate side effects of that, though, is I think we're we're facing, at least in the states, um, a real shortage of clinicians. It's really um, it can yes. be, you know, I remember when when I first um, wanted to to get on meds, I found it was a six month wait to get a psychiatrist, but it was easy to get you know into talk counseling, into you know talk therapy. It's hard to get into talk therapy now because there's just, and I think it's partially because so many people recognize they need it and are reaching out, which is a good thing. Yes. But, but we don't have the resources, you know, to get everybody into the system as well right now. Oh yes, the same thing here in Canada. Um, because you're right. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's about people having retired from the profession. More that pe- more people are recognizing they need the help. I, from I think them. so. Yeah. 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 And it hasn't the, the levels haven't equaled out to to match the the need, you know that supply and demand thing. So if anyone listening is thinking about it as a career, please go do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah, need, we, we need, need good counselors. We need good therapists. Yes, and, yeah. and I've heard that I've heard that message from 
various countries of mm. guests that I have interviewed. So it's not it's not just a North American thing. It is kind of a worldwide thing, which is why I think you're right. It's that people are recognizing that they need the help. They're recognizing that it's okay to get the help. And they're recognizing that that is the type of help that is best um, as mm. opposed to um, I'm going to use my brother as an example because um, he's the one I'm writing my next book about <laughs> his he at one point knew he needed help um, for anxiety. And instead of seeking talk therapy, he sought illegal drugs, Okay, um, yeah. which ended very poorly from him for him. Um, and so, you know, by realizing what the positive coping strategy might be or the, the positive way of dealing with this, we do need more clinicians. We need more places that are available for people to talk to them. Because um, if not, then, yeah, we start medicating in ways that end potentially in death. We end up um, maybe over shopping, overspending to make us feel better. And then you're in a lot of debt, um, gambling, yeah. uh, you know, any of those those addictions um, that prevent us from really living a really super happy life because you're too busy trying to pay off the debt that you accumulated yeah, right. or um whatever whatever it happens to be so tell us what piece of advice i love asking this question mm -hmm. what piece of advice you would give somebody who is struggling to admit to themselves that there is maybe a little problem Everybody is screwed up in some way or another. Everybody. And it's okay that we are. And some of us need help with a physical ailment we have. Some of us need help with an addiction we have. Some of us need help with with just needing a leg up to 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 get um to get where we want to be. And some of us need help with with a mental illness. And it's it's not a sign of of bad character. It's not a sign of of sin. It's not a sign of of any uh, any punishment. It's just you know, we're living in a world that that's that bad things happen. And if that happened to you, if you've got something wrong in your brain chemistry, that's okay. And there's help available. Oh, and God. and I really think that the that the the core of help for for at least for depression is talking. Um, I think there's, I think lots of other things are helpful too. I think medication is, is really important and can help. I think prayer is really important. It can help. Um, you know, I keep hearing things about ketamine and about this magnetic um, tr treatment that's available. That stuff might help too. But I think, I think at the core um, you have to be, be talking to somebody because that, that enables you to, to get your feelings out in a way that, that you might not have before. And, and I don't know about you, but in, in my experience, I find that when I, when I get my words out, whether it's talking or writing, and that's why writing is so important to me. I, when I get my words out in, <laughs> in one way or another, suddenly I realize my thoughts are not quite what I thought they were. I, I always think that I think in English. 
but when I write or say something that, um, you know, to kind of explain why I'm feeling so twisted and messed up inside, as I get it out, I realize that is not as screwed up as I thought it was. That's actually really, th- I understand where this is coming from and I understand what I can, what I can do with this um, because I think the thoughts in my head are just in this, this, this garbled self-absorbed, um, you know, uh, cruel language that I speak to myself, but, uh, but getting it out just starts the process of, um, of kind of teasing what, you know, what, what it's really all about. And in my experience, I find it helpful to, to talk or write with, with someone listening. I think it's helpful to have a counselor who can, um, I think a good counselor doesn't do too much in the way of direction, but is a really good mirror and asks really good questions to help you, um, you know, oh my goodness! In. Yes, and it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's hard work. It's, it's so hard good. work. It is yeah. so hard. I remember when I first went to my psychologist, and you know, very good listener. I really like her. Um, but then it's you know, she would say things like, "I'll give you an an actual example." I went in because I had to tell, um my boss, this is many years ago, I had to tell my boss that the hours I was working were too much. I couldn't, I couldn't do it all. And I thought this person was going to absolutely hate me, maybe fire me, maybe yell at me. It was going to be just the absolute worst. And so I'm telling her all of this and she goes, okay, so what evidence do you have of this? (laughs) Well, I don't have any, like, I don't have any. Okay. Okay. But it's really loud. (laughs) Right? The voice is really loud. So loud. I'm like, I don't have any. And she goes, okay. Um, so has she ever yelled at you before? Well, no. Okay. So is that thought accurate? Okay, no. But like, until she said that to me, yeah. I was adamant that it was going to be a huge blow up. It was going to be awful. Uh, um, and just that simple. What's your evidence? So they ask just those those really simple questions. And and to finish the story, no, I did not get yelled at after I had the conversation. It was a very good, good conversation, very lovely. <laughs> but and I yeah, I think I think, you know, and, and that's a question that you think, well, you know, how hard is that? I could ask myself that question, but we don't. We don't exactly. ask ourselves that question. I have we started need somebody to, nail. to do that. I've started yeah. to nail because of therapy. Right. Right. But beforehand, and it wasn't like she asked me that one time and it immediately stuck. Oh, no, no, no. After weeks of doing this with various problems and, and asking that question in various ways, you know, what's the fact? Where's the evidence? Uh, has this happened in the past? You know, now I have started and it's not all the time. Mm-hmm. But when I catch myself and I stop and go, hey, wait, is this a fact? Is this true of the past? No. Okay. I can move on. Doesn't happen all the time. And it only is because of many sessions of therapy. Yep. Yep. It it's it's hard work. Um, but it's it's worth it. Yeah. It's it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. But you're right. It, it's one of those, oh, I could ask myself that. <laughs> uh, you but you don't know. And it's it's yeah, I think it's one of the hardest things that I have ever done. Um, uh, you know, way harder than going to college, way harder, harder than university, way harder than pushing out a baby. Um, it just is because it's, you can't get out of it, right? Right. You can't ask somebody else the answer. They are asking you 
the answer because we have the answers in us most of the time. And a grant, she definitely taught me a lot of other coping strategies I hadn't thought mm-hmm. of before. It's it's not like you come in with all of the knowledge and she has to pick it out. They do teach you different strategies, but ultimately you are the one having to do the work. They are just guiding you. And when yep. you find that right person that, that guides you without telling you, it's amazing and bring a box of tissues. <laughs> yeah. And one um, thing that, t- that took me a long time to learn is that, um, is that knowing about it isn't enough. You know, I, I, I often think, you know, this is a brain issue. So if I just, you know, okay, I, I, yeah, I get it. I understand, you know, that I'm, I'm a better person than I think I am. I understand that, that, you know, I can, I can, you know, just, just breathe deep and, and, and that'll help. Now that I understand that everything's fine. Well, that's like me saying, and it took me so long to realize this. That's like me saying, you know, I just plotted on Google maps, a 26 mile course. I understand how to run this marathon. I don't have to actually do it. (laughs) Okay. But you haven't done it and it's not going to help you get in shape by, by, by thinking about it. And that, you know, and the same thing is true with, you know, with, uh, with our mental health is yeah. y- you got to exercise, you got to do, you know, do the work, do the work. And it's, it's a, it's a daily, uh, it's not a daily grind, but it's a daily responsibility. Um, well, I like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, any last thoughts before I ask you about your book? Um, one, one thing I was hoping to, to bring up, you, yeah. you said something before about how, um, you know, you feel like, like there's, there's a reason, um, why, uh, or the, not, not a reason, but you said a purpose, I purpose, think for yes. that you, you have. And one, one way I often think about that is, is, is from scripture. It's, um, uh, Paul in, in his letters talks a couple times about having a, what he calls a thorn that he said, he says, I have this thorn that, um, that causes me great distress, and uh, and p- scholars have guessed over the centuries what what that thorn might have been. Some people think he was epileptic. Some people think yeah, all kinds of different things. But but he never identifies what it is. He just says, I have this thorn that causes me great distress. And I've asked God three times to take it away from me. And every time the answer has been. My strength. Is enough. And my strength is found in your weakness. And. And that's kind of how I think of of um, of my depression sometimes. Not that God gave it to me to teach somebody something or, or for any reason, but but that because I have that, it's it's my thorn that um, that I, I that God can use for really good things. I think you know conversations like this um, and and conversations I've had it I've had at church. It's it's I you know I've been able to to be stronger because of this weakness. Um, so that's, that's kind of where, you know, where, where they, where it all comes together for me. I like that. Um, so tell us about what you've written. Sure. Um, I recently published a book called dark water. Uh, the subtitle is a pastor's memoir of depression and faith, uh, which isn't a very poetic subtitle, but it's pretty, uh, it, it's, it's pointed. It's, pretty, it's pointed. Yeah. I mean, you can tell what it's about. Um, it is the story of, um, of my life to date. It's, uh, you know, I've kind of been telling an abridged version of it throughout this, uh, 
this interview. Um, yeah. It's got stories of my suicide attempts. It's got stories of of talking about this in church. It's got, um, uh, you know, some a lot more dialogues. info than just here. So go read it. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot, a lot of stuff we didn't talk about here that's in there. Um, some dialogues between me and 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 the voices that I hear, um, as well as, um, you know, I, I think. It, it it's 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 really it's brutally honest you know i had to change a lot of names because i didn't want to be as honest with with other people's yeah. lives but the stories are 100 percent true and and i'm you know I, I i tell it exactly how i was feeling at the time but at the same time there's a lot of hope in there because um you know i can see that uh that there is you know there there, there is hope at the end of the day there is that light that shines in the distance and uh, and I have found just just talking about the book and sharing it with people has has been another step in this journey of um, you know of, of 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 opening this up. I think I'm 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 trying to break down the stigma and at the same time offer hope to people. And I think the book you know does that. So yeah, yeah I like that. That is that is awesome. Um, and so, where do people get a hold of it? Sure. Uh, it's available at amazon.com, um, Kindle version and, uh, and print version. Uh, it's, uh, also, you know, at Barnes and Noble and other online retailers, um, not really on the shelves, but you can certainly go and request it at, at your favorite, uh, you know, brick and mortar store. Um, and uh, they can, they can get it for you. Uh, if you, if you'd like to see more information about it, you can also go to my website, which is the Schultes.com. That's T H E s-c-h-o-l-t-e-s.com uh there there is a uh, some more information about the book as well as um a blog that i i update regularly and um a uh, a weekly newsletter i send out that uh, talks about the the intersection of, of mental illness and faith that's awesome i like that actually i'm i'm co-writing a book with somebody um and our version of um, like our mental health and how we identify with um, stories in the Bible. So, oh, wonderful! Yes, I look forward yes. to reading that. Yeah, yes, it's a work in progress right mm -hmm. now, but it's it's mm -hmm. coming along. So, yeah, um, that's the first time that I've announced it on the show. So there you go. <laughs> uh, so, and where do people follow you? Um, I'm on Facebook at uh, uh, Dark Water Author, just one word. Um, I'm also, uh, on Twitter, but not very active there at the same, uh, same yeah. handle, dark water author. So, uh, but mostly Facebook, um, or, you know, or go to my website and sign up for the newsletter would be another good way. Do it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And we're going to throw those links down in the description below. So everyone can very easily, um, find you, find your book. Sounds like it is a wealth of information and i mean we already have a glimpse of what the story will be so mm -hmm. let's get the details and read the book okay <laughs> all right thank you michael so much for being on the show thank you it's been my pleasure as always thank you so much for the amazing guests that we have on the show um be sure to check out their links down in the description below if you want to support the channel go ahead and check out our merch store we've got some very cool things on there that's my favorite Sorry, I'm busy ending the stigma. Um, but there's some other very cool designs. 10% of the proceeds always goes back to the Canadian Mental Health Association. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook at RB Media because we have some great new shows coming up and you never want to miss any of those episodes. And remember, the only way to end the stigma of mental health is to speak openly and honestly. Bye!